Hey, welcome to the podcast. Coming to you from the Midwest Coast. I'm inside that miraculous establishment, the Midwest Healing Center, Leg of the Ozarks, podcast, Studio B. This is the new old school podcast. I am your host, Don Allen. Tell somebody about the podcast. It's all free. You know, you can download any of these free apps to any mobile device, Podbean, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iTunes Store, Spotify. They're all free. Why, it's freer than a late vote count. Of course, of course, it's going to take the key battleground places weeks to count the votes when it takes everybody else in the U.S. a day. Nothing to see there, right? I mean, come on, that, that, that's just perfectly normal, right? What could possibly go wrong? Get the free apps. You don't have to sneak around at night to listen. You don't have to wait weeks to hear. Or you can download those right now and listen. How is everybody doing today? I apologize for the sound of my voice today. A little raspy. Little froggy, feeling froggy. We're going to jump today. Uh, we are in a series titled "Passing the Test." I know, I know. If you're like me, "test" is one of those four-letter words, right? Four-letter words. We don't like tests. But what I've been discussing in this series are the tests that, well, every man, woman, and child will face all throughout your life, and you better understand them. We've been looking into the life of Joseph and how he was presented with some tests that he had to pass in order to fulfill the destiny that God had upon his life. All of you listening today, you have a destiny. You have something that God has for you to fulfill that only you can do. So we know that Joseph was given some dreams by God. He saw his brothers bowing down before him. He later saw his entire family bowing before him, but he got into pride over those dreams. Here he was a 17-year-old boy his daddy's baby boy. And daddy had already shown his favoritism to him in that he gave him that coat of many colors. And he wore that. Of course, he wore it everywhere he went. But we know the Bible indicated that this boy, he'd already told on his older brothers to their daddy. Says he brought that bad report to daddy. So he's immature. And his character is not yet developed to be able to be this leader that God has shown him in these dreams. Now, the dreams were from God, but the way that he went about sharing his dreams was not. So he had to first pass that pride test. And all of us will be given dreams that God will lead us into our destiny. But if you don't have the character to support it, it's just not going to happen. Character is the foundation of any destiny. The anointing won't take you where your character can't keep you. Now, I know many anointed people who had no character at all, and it never worked out. That call will stay in an infancy stage, and that's a very dangerous place for it to be because the devil knows he can easily affect you there. And it's in that stage that this call, this destiny that you know is from God, it'll start to become a burden for you because it'll always be immature in nature, never fully developing. You'll struggle with that call forever unless you can move past these stages. So Joseph, we know, had pride. He was immature, and there's always that pride test. Last week, we saw the pit test, where we all will get it to that point where we are going to land in some form of a pit, a pitfall along the way. And it's how we respond in this test that will get us through or keep us in. 
We can't gripe or complain about the pit. We have to recognize, how did I get here? What's it really all about? What about my perspective? Because you think about this. If it weren't for the pit, these brothers were going to murder him. The pit was actually a place of preservation that saved his life. So we need to see the, well, what can I learn from this pit so that I can miss the next one or at least get out of this next one a little bit quicker, passing the tests. Character is key in supporting destiny and these tests will build your character. And, uh, you know, we don't like things that do that. Well, this is just a character building. Well, we don't like things like that, but I tell you what, it's necessary. We haven't talked enough about character in Christianity. So we see many that walk into positions simply because they were next in line. I know, you know, the next warm body. They were the next in line. It amazes me to watch churches do this. Charismatic churches are the worst, if you ask me. You know, at least other, like, Baptists, you know, Lutheran, at least they have somewhat of a vetting process and a, and a hierarchy where they, you know, there's some structure there. What I've noticed in charismatic churches is the next warm body. You know, it's amazing to me to watch this. And now I can say this because I've, I've been involved with hundreds of pastors, charismatic pastors. I've watched this through the years. I mean, known them personally, hundreds of churches, hundreds of churches that I know personally, charismatic churches faith churches. And uh, what I've watched is uh, maybe it's just the son or, or the daughter of the leader. And so they, they think, well, because you're the son or the daughter, then naturally you're the next in line, you know, or, or well, they were the youth pastor. So now I guess they're the next logical choice. Uh, not always. What about character? They may be able to preach to put together some talking points, but that in no way reveals that they are ready to be a leader. That in no way means that you're ready to walk into that destiny. I've seen it. Do they have the character to support the vision, the destiny, the dream? So many are still in that infancy stage where they have yet to get out of the pride part. So it's not growing, it's not developing, and it's frustrating. Some are stuck in the pit. And again, it just becomes a burden. Let's pass these tests and recognize my character is being weighed and be honest to recognize where you need growth. So today, let's look at the palace test. The palace, we went from pride, went into that pit. Here's the palace test. Some just want to get to the palace, right? I mean, that sounds like a nice place to be, the palace. Well, let's check it out. There's going to be some things that are going to happen in the palace that you're really going to have to grab a hold of. Because yes, it, 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 listen, it's way better than the pit, right? But just because you make it to the palace, don't, don't get distracted with the ooh and the ah of, well, it's better than where I was. Oh, friends, you're not to your destiny yet. Don't allow the palace to distract you. Watch this now. Genesis 39 and verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. I hope you can see the connection. The Lord was with him, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Genesis 39 and verse 3, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. Verses 4 through 6, so Joseph found favor in his sight, and he served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house, and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. 
For the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not even know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. This is all so amazing. He's now second in command at Potiphar's house. He gives him everything and says, just run the whole thing. And jumping ahead because I want you to see something. But when he lands in prison, the guards do the same thing. They, they put him in charge. And when he ends up with Pharaoh, he does the same thing again. Once character is developed, it's here it will follow you. And now you won't have to brag about my vision. You won't have to brag about my dream and my abilities. No, people will see it. They will recognize it without you saying anything about it. But, but that's getting ahead a little bit. Genesis 39 and verse 23, the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. It's so awesome. So some things have changed. But look at this, as we begin to make our way through these tests, it appears to me as we pass them, suddenly there's some favor coming upon us where now I went from being in a pit and sold, I'm nobody, and now everything I do and wherever I do it, it prospers. Do you think Joseph has made some heart changes about how things roll? Like, wow, God is so good. God is so good, and it's him who gets the glory. Looks like the pride thing has kind of been taken care of, doesn't it? He's dealt with that one in this phase of his tests. So in this phase of testing, we come from pride, uh, the pit, and now look, we, we're beginning to see how it is that I might be able to do this calling, right? I, I can now maybe begin to see where this is going and how I might make it to the destiny. I see doorways opening. This is where we begin to see that we can prosper in everything that we do, in everything. Pride, pit, and now the palace. I see and others are seeing what God is doing in my life. So let's recognize something in this testing phase. Number one, number one, the key to prospering is the presence of the Lord. Look how it says over and over, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with Joseph, so he prospered. So let me say this. I hate this kind of stuff. The, the word prosperity is not a bad word. I know that three high-profile ministers have come out in the last few years, and they've stood publicly and said I was wrong about prosperity. Well, thank you. After you made your millions and millions of dollars, now prosperity is sudden. Come on. But okay, let's not miss. They didn't say prosperity was wrong. They were saying the way they understood it and preached on it was wrong. That's all. There is a very real prosperity message in the Bible. And we got to grab it. I know there's a teaching out there that I don't agree with. And so we heard that one. And it caused us to pull away from the real one because that's what we were known for. Instead of searching our Bibles, we just toss everything out. I know I was raised in a church by a pastor. When he didn't like something, guess what? You weren't going to hear about it. You weren't going to hear it preached. He was just going to toss it out. That's what we were known for. Just We weren't going to discuss it at all. Grace, he didn't like the grace message. So guess what? We didn't talk about it ever. In the 20-something years, I never heard a grace message. Tossed it out. We never heard about righteousness because to him, that was a free license for people to sin. The righteousness message. Never heard about it. Well, that's foolish as can be. God wants to prosper you and make you successful in all areas of your life. And yes, even with money, even with dollar bills, even with cash or Bitcoin or whatever people do now, because as we saw it, it wasn't just Joseph that was prospering, but it was everybody around him that he was involved with. He was blessed to be a blessing. It's not a bad thing. Prosperity in Hebrew means this. Check this out. I love this definition. In Hebrew means to push forward. And you think about that. 63 times in the Old Testament, push forward. 
Would that be okay if God would push you forward in all things? Well, the key to prospering is the presence of the Lord because God never fails, never. So if we walk with God, you will prosper. Listen to me, find out what God is doing and get on board with that. People go out from the presence of the Lord. He's not removing it. We walk away from it. It's the whole prodigal son story. The son left, the father gave him everything. But once he was back in the presence of his father, guess what? He gave him everything again. Walk with God and be successful. If you've walked away, just come back. He'll give you everything again. Genesis 26 and verse 12, then Isaac sowed in that land and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. Look at this. This is so good. I wish if I could tell people one thing about sowing into what it is that God is doing, this is it. Ah, I can't stand that people come against this stuff. Genesis 26, 13 and 14, the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous for he had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Prosperity. Uh, you prosperity preacher? Yes, it beats being a poverty preacher. God will bless you and oops, looks like he'll give you some stuff. Enough that people envied him. The issue becomes when the stuff begins to have you. You can have the stuff, but the moment it has you, Houston, we have us a problem. Do you think that that man was a blessing to those around him? Deuteronomy 29 and verse 9, therefore keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. Do you think keeping a covenant with God would cause you to prosper? I mean, we have a new and better one than these guys, a new and better covenant than these guys, new and better promises than the ones in the Old Testament I'm reading about. Do you think that God would still do the same for you and I? Well, if he isn't, then this new covenant that we have, it's not better. It's not even the same. Listen, as we begin to make our way into our destiny, you will need God's provision to see it come to pass. Second Kings 18 and verse seven, the Lord was with him. He prospered wherever he went. This world system runs off of it. It's the way the world was set up, but we don't have to be bound by it, but we do have to participate with it and use prosperity as a tool to achieve what we need to get done for the kingdom. And so he prospered. Why? Because the Lord was with him. Maybe it's better to say it this way. It seems to me that being in the presence of the Lord has a side effect. It'll cause you to prosper. Maybe that's a gauge to see if I've been in the presence of God like I should be. Am I prospering in all I do? Or is it really hard pushing and things aren't working? And if not, why not? Maybe it's not about a five-step book of prosperity. Maybe it's not about my sowing money trying to get God to honor it. I'm not against it. But you know the difference, giving to get or giving out of obedience and love and generosity. Maybe it's about simply getting into the presence of God. God's looking to push us forward in all that we put our hand to. But the key is the presence of the Lord. Potiphar recognized. I mean, this man's an unbeliever. And he saw that his house was blessed because the Lord was with Joseph. So let me say this. Does your employer believe or not? Do they believe that they are being blessed because you work for them? Let me take it further. Does your pastor believe that he or she is blessed simply because you're there? Because you are one that is in the presence of the Lord. Or is it the other way around that you're a burden upon your employer or your church? That's something to really consider today because the, the key is being in the presence of the Lord. Well, okay, I want to be a bless, blessing and prosper in all I do. What's the key to being in the presence of the Lord? Number two, it's called drum roll, please, obedience. Oh man, we don't like these words, obedience. The key to the presence of the Lord is obedience. Second Chronicles 17 and verse three, now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David and he didn't seek the Baals, but he sought the God of his father and he walked in his commandments and not according to the acts of Israel. 
he obeyed. First uh, Samuel 18 and verse 14, and David behaved wisely in all of his ways, and the Lord was with him. Now, we know that David didn't do any, everything right, did he? But when he messed up, what would he, he would repent, not get into pride. He would humble himself and what? Then he would obey. He'd go back and obey, not get stiff-necked and double down on it. When Samuel 18 and verse 12, now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and had departed from Saul. A couple questions for you today. Why was the Lord with David? It's because he obeyed. Why had the Lord departed from Saul? It's because he disobeyed. It's very simple. Deuteronomy eleven twenty six through 28, behold, I've set before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, which I command you today, and the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, but turn aside from, from the way, which I commanded you today to go after other gods, which you have not known. Well, Donnie, I wouldn't serve other gods. Yes, you do. Me, myself, and I, me, myself, and I, many of you are serving a false Trinity. Don't do it. It's so dangerous. This is not works. You're saved by grace through faith. We go to heaven by grace, but if you want to be successful on this earth, you're going to have to obey. Obey and walk with God, and you will have success. That doesn't mean that everything's going to be unicorns and rainbows and cotton candy. There's going to be storms, but the difference is you're going to make them through while others are going to be stuck for a very long time. Come on, haven't you seen that with some people? They're just stuck. Well, here you go. They don't want to obey what it is that God's saying for them to do to get out. Job 36, 11 and 12, if they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. But if they do not obey, they shall perish by the sword and they will die without knowledge. Proverbs 28, 13, he who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. I believe in grace. We're saved by it. It's not works. We know that. Grace is a gift that cannot be earned. But I also believe in obedience. And I know that when I have walked with God in obedience, everything I do is blessed. But if I choose to walk away and do something else. And listen, I'm talking about the small details. I'm not talking about turning from my faith and serving Satan. We so allow the little things to slip by, don't we? We kind of do what God said to do, you know, but not really, but kind of. I see it in the details. That's why I'm so hardcore on my staff here at the church. It's the small details and attitudes that are gonna kill us. It's not the big things. We kind of do, I've seen it. It goes to pot really quick. We live in a cursed world. God won't have to curse you. It's like, it's like being in a major hailstorm, having a huge metal roof over your head protecting you. It's all good being under that protection. But if you choose to walk away, then you're saying, I'm gonna take my chances out there because I think I can dodge the hail that's coming down. You won't. The key to prospering is the presence of the Lord. The key to the presence of the Lord is obedience. Well, Donnie, I wanna obey, but okay, okay. Well, number three. The key to obedience is faith. Obedience and faith go hand in hand. Why would a farmer plant? Because he believes he's going to receive a crop, a return. We have more faith in our hot water heaters than God. Have you ever thought about this? You turn on that hot water in your sink and it's cold. But you know what? We just wait. I know it's coming. No, I mean, it may feel cold right now, but it's going to get hot. You turn that faucet of obedience on and it may feel cold, but I'm telling you, it's going to get hot. You got to believe. This is one of the biggest issues I see today in modern church goers. We do not believe that there is a reward for obedience and consequences for disobeying. If we believed that God would, would, would do this, we would be quick to obey, wouldn't we? No, we think that we can disobey and get away with it. Children, obey your parents. 
in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the, the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and you may live long upon the earth. Things will go well with you. A reward if you obey. We used to say this to my children growing up. I don't reward bad behavior. Meaning there are consequences on both sides of this. Consequences for obedience and disobedience. God does not reward bad behavior. And I wish we would see that not as a fearful way, but rather being smart enough to understand God wants to bless you and for things to go well with you and for you to prosper. He loves you. He's pulling for you. God is a rewarder. If we really believed that, if, if you really believed that, you'd work harder for your employer. And I'm going to put it in, in here as well, church as well. For your leaders at the church, if you, if you worked hard for them and you believed that God would reward you, you would do better. See, it's this attitude, well, but if I had a better boss, well, if I had a better pastor, if I had a better church, guess what? You'll never prosper that way waiting. I served under a man, a pastor, that would thrash me every chance he got with his words. Put me down, run me through. I'm talking church. Take me behind closed doors and just thrash me. Never good enough. Never exactly what I wanted because you should be a mind reader. And he was a blame shifter all day. Well, it's you people, it's not me. I gave some of my best years to this church and to that man. I had the best usher crew in the entire region. Other ministers would, would, would call coming into town and other churches would ask for our team to come and usher for them at their special services. I mowed the grass at the church, which by the way, wasn't my job because I worked every day, but free labor, free labor, I did a great job. And I'm telling you, God will bless you. No, listen, I didn't agree. And no, he wasn't a great leader. He was prideful, never gave you any credit for anything, and he took all the praise for everything. But who was I doing it for anyway? Him? No, it was for God. And it caused him to have to see that things were better because God was with me all the time. The last church I worked for, same thing. Matter of fact, just an example, they'd been trying to pay off a ridiculous debt at this last church that I worked for through a program and a bunch of programs and programs and programs. And I came in and because I was there, he told me to take over simply doing the offering message and encouraging people to get involved with paying off the church. Well, the secretary calls me in one day just beaming and she said, Donnie, since you've been here, over $400,000 has come in in less than six months. Most they'd ever had in 25 years. Why? Because God was with me and he caused whatever I do to prosper. That church was better because I was there. And what I mean is God was blessing what I put my hand to. And they saw that because I was in his presence and he was with me and I was with him. And so it became easy to hear. Uh, it, it becomes easier to hear from God when you're in his presence, right? Obviously, this is why I'm trying to encourage you to do this at your church, to, to get involved in this way. It doesn't mean you agree all the time. It doesn't mean you're just like, yeah, that's the greatest idea I've ever heard. It's really just being obedient to understand I'm doing it for the kingdom. And to get into the presence of God, it'll be a blessing. This man always took all the glory for it at this past church, but why was I doing it? My point is I had to be faithful and obedient where I was. God will promote you. He'll prosper you. And so I say that to say, be a blessing to your work and be a blessing to your church, please. Colossians 3, through 25, bond servants, obey in all things your masters, according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God, Whatever you do, do it hardly as unto the Lord and not unto men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Do you think he means that? If you want to get bullheaded and say, well, if I had a better boss, a better pastor, a better church, okay. No, there's no excuse now because I know because I tried. Well, God, look, they're horrible. 
And they're abusing this whole submission to authority thing. Yeah, they were, but God wasn't. And I survived and you can too. No, it, it was wrong. And it felt like they would, uh, listen, it felt like, why would I pour anything into this work whatsoever? But see, it was my test, not theirs. This was part of my test. But will you do it for me, says the Lord? Because really, you're doing it for you. It's your test. Oh, I know we say, I want to obey. I want to do the right things. But maybe only when it benefits me or it's going my way or when it suits me. Only when it's, it's kind of what I wanted anyways. I know this podcast isn't going to end up too popular now. Well, listen, don't stop now. It only gets worse. It takes faith to obey when what you see is going the wrong way. And I want it to go this way. And yet I know God said, be here and do this and do that. It takes faith. Stop using faith only for the good parking spot at Walmart. Stop using faith for just a raise at work. You need to be well-rounded faith for the things that suck in life. You need to have faith to obey when it's rubbing you the wrong way and going against everything you wanted to do, and yet you know God said be here. Hebrews 3, here we go. Hebrews 3, 18 and 19. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? This is the reward of the promised land. Who will not receive the reward of the promised land but those who did not obey? So we see that they couldn't enter because of unbelief. But it was a promise from God. And you would think it would say, well, they didn't get to enter because of disobedience. No, they did not believe. Faith produces obedience. And if they had really believed that God would reward them, they would have obeyed. And you would too. The key to prospering is the presence of the Lord, because if you are walking with God, well, God always succeeds. The key to the presence of the Lord is obedience. The key to obedience is faith. Well, then what's the key to faith? Well, this is the most practical one of all, and it's simple, and we can all do it. But you have to choose. It's on you now. You will choose if you want the presence of God, if you're going to obey and have faith. Number four, the key to faith is hearing the word of God and believing the word that you heard as the truth. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Flood yourself with the word of God. No, I know you think you do, but you don't. You look at and listen to Facebook for, for an hour a day, TikTok for 50 minutes. You have the news on for 45 minutes a day. You're talking with everybody else out there for eight to 12 hours a day, all day long. And then you come to church to hear a sermon for an hour a week, an hour. Well, I know you read your daily scripture for 30 seconds. That's it. And faith comes by hearing. Yeah. Well, what are you hearing? You want faith? You got to have the word all the time. We're fighting an uphill battle all the time. Memorize it, study it. The Bible says meditate upon it. Christians can tell me more about the economy, the price of gas, milk, meat, bread. They can, they can tell me the interest rates and what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. Can tell me what Biden's trying to pass this week and who's against the Second Amendment and who's against oil and who won on Big Brother and who rip beat up on Yellowstone and got took to the train station this week. But you can't tell me what the Bible says about the season that we're in. You can't tell me where God's been leading you to read in your Bibles. No, you wait for the preacher to take the pulpit and, and tell you once a week, maybe twice if you're really extreme. We think we're going to get into the presence of God and it's all going to be okay. No way, not at that pace. No way. You can't eat chocolate bars all week, three times a day and have a salad on Sunday and think it's going to make a difference with a Diet Coke. Faith comes by hearing and you're hearing by the word of God because it's that word that has the power to change your life. It's living but you're hearing death and destruction all week. 
It's living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It was somebody before it was words in the Bible. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. It is incorruptible seed. It lives and abides forever, and heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of the Lord shall stand for all of eternity as the truth. It'll never fail. It never updates. There's no 2.0 version of it. It was perfect to begin with, and it shall never return void, avoid, but it shall accomplish what it was sent to do. Well, we don't want to be foolish. No, it's foolish not to read the Bible. My God, the news is lying to you right to your face all the time, always. When they're not lying, they're not fact-checking what they're saying. They're trying to get the viewer numbers. That's it. They all have a spin, and everything else is hearsay and speculation. And all of it is subject to change at any given second. But this word, God's word, it's steady. It's made it through the wars. It's made it through doctrines and theology. It made it through man's reasoning and personal experiences, and it's still right here producing and doing what it said that it would do always. For thousands of years, it is standing the test. I talked about prospering in the presence of the Lord, obeying, having faith or believing and hearing the word. You can prosper because you're walking with God. You're walking with God because you obeyed. You obeyed because you believed and you believed because you read and you heard God's word and you believed that and you believed that word that you heard and this is why you can and you will pass the palace test. Come on, pride, the pit. Now on to the palace. But will they see the favor of God? No, no, no. It, it's, not a, it's not much of an easier test at all. There's a lot inside of this one to unpack. But you can do it. Because the testing isn't over. No, up next, guess what? We got the purity test coming. It's coming. In the meantime, you get in the word. You build up your faith to be obedient. And that obedience will land you in the presence of God where favor is poured out for all men to see it. Of course, in that comes promotion. You are on your way to your destiny, but don't get stuck. Pass the test. That's all the time I have for today. Thank you for joining me on the new Old School Podcast. I am your host, Don Allen. Until next time, I'm attempting the ridiculous and achieving the miraculous.